Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio's Off the Shelf for this Saturday, uh, November the 3rd, 2012. I want to thank you, as always, for joining us. And like I tell you, the sun is coming through my office window. It is such a joy to have you here with us. I'm over in the, trying to be over in the chat room and welcoming folks over there. So I want to thank you all for our loyal listeners who tune in. And we're headed into our ninth year. Every time I say that, that amazes me, especially when I think about how Off the Shelf got started. And our our listeners' numbers just go up, 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 up every week. So I really thank you for those who have just tuned in to Off the Shelf for the first time. I always like to introduce myself, so I'm going to introduce, I'm your, I'm your host, Denise Turney, and as I always say, I'm coming to you live from a city of brotherly love, the one and only Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and again, I thank you for your support, and I encourage you, you just don't want to let another day go past without picking up a copy of Love Pour Over Me. Love Pour Over Me, that's my latest book. It is it's such and it's an inspirational, motivational book, but it really goes deep into relationships, particularly friendships. And I hear some noise on the line. I'm not sure where it's coming from, but particularly friendships, uh, uh, Love for Over Me really celebrates them as you get to meet Raymond and his friends while they're at college and you follow Raymond and his relationship with this special woman in his life and his tumultuous relationship with his father as he grows up in a single home. And you can get Love Pour Over Me today online or offline at any bookstore, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Borders, Walmart. If you don't see it on the store shelves, just ask the clerk for it, and they can get special order a copy for you. The lowest price I've seen an e-book is Amazon.com, and it's $3.03. This book is about 300 pages. I think that is an awesome price for love for me. Uh, again, the lowest I've seen so far is at Amazon.com. And now, to the moment that you have been waiting for, let us go and meet our special guest. Today's off-the-shelf feature guest is a leader in the literary and book industries. He is the chief executive officer of Pulse. I'm glad I uh, they reached out to schedule the interview because I never heard of this company before, so I'm going to learn something today. And about Pulse, it says it's a traditional publishing imprint committed to cultivating and promoting the works of authors from all walks of life. And so you sit back wondering, who is this amazing man? He is the one and only Marcus Harris. And you can check Marcus and Pulse out online right now, even as you enjoy today's interview. If you're an author, you're, you're somebody who wants to get to know more about Pulse, a publicist, a book reviewer, or a, or a reader who's just interested, and maybe one day you'll write a book yourself. You can check Pulse out right now while you listen to today's show, and it's www.pulsepub.net. That's P-U-L-S-E-P-U-B dot net. As you continue to listen to it and learn and enjoy today's feature interviews, you can hop right on over there. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Marcus. Thanks so much, Denise. I appreciate you having me on. And I'm I'm excited as I was preparing and researching for today's show. I said, "Wow, you know, uh, not not a, not an author." And last last uh, last week we had a palmist on who has written a book. But I, I said, "Wow, I, when, when we have guests, where I can learn just so much, and I do learn a wealth of things from all of our guests. But when somebody's operating from a different." angle that makes really piques my interest. So I want to begin by asking, when and why did you found Pulse? 
Well, Paulson's uh, founding was somewhat of a twist of fate. Mm. I got started as a author and poet myself, and I actually self-published my first book of poetry in 2006. And as I did promotions, the uh, book did pretty well. I learned a lot about the industry. And as after uh, my book came out, I found that a lot of other aspiring authors contacted me, and they were just asking questions about the publishing industry, how to get started, how to get distribution, how to get book, book signings and that kind of thing. And so speaking from my personal experience, I was able to help them out. Well, I started getting other questions later because I actually started my own company to publish my first book through, and I got contacted by authors who wanted to know if I would actually publish them. And at first, I wasn't able to do that, but over the years, it kind of got to a point where I said, well, you know what, why not? I mean, I do love publishing, I do love writing, and I love helping other people. So Pulse was actually formed out of the desire to help others actually get their books in print, too. Wow. So you you, you started, you said a, your first published book was a book of poetry, you said? It was. It was a collection of poetry. It was called Songs in Search of a Voice. and it oh, got I like that title. Yeah, it got received pretty well by the industry. It got a lot of good, positive reviews and, and press. And so that was in 06. And then Pulse actually was in the works for a while. It didn't actually start until late of, uh, actually, October of last year. We're about one year old. Wow. Okay, so it started in October 2011. Congratulations. Right. Congratulations. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you know, it's amazing. That. It's amazing how things come about. Uh, it just when you when you think about how things evolve. I was listening to the radio, online radio out of Virginia, uh, last night, and they one of the bio, they put up these bios and on Erica Badu. She she opened for she opened for I think it was I forget who the singer was. They liked her so much they invited her to tour with them, and it, it's just amazing how one little simple thing that you might think right. is going to be a one time thing, like the people right. coming out to you asking you for help with publishing right. their books and now you go on and start your own start yeah. your own company. So when those doors when that knocking comes at those doors you gotta open it. I gotcha. wanna ask you, do you do you publish books in print and ebook or just ebook or print format? We actually do ebook, print and audiobook. Our first two okay. audiobooks Yeah, our first two audiobook titles were just released this week on uh Amazon and iTunes and Audible dot com. And we have about five or six more that we are in the works to produce, audio book-wise. Um, so, yeah, we do all three formats. Wow. And it's amazing that, you, again, October 2011, and you're doing this much already. What Which format has proved more profitable for you? And I ask you this reason. As a book writer, somebody who's been in the industry with with published books since 98. I can tell you I've seen so many changes. 98 is not that far back. To me, it's not. Mm -hmm. I've seen so many changes in the book industry, and I think there are only so many more coming with uh, 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 technology, putting more and more authors in the driver's seat, which which is a good thing. And then people uh, like yourself who can start their own companies and get in the driver's seat where years ago you you might have needed a lot of money to get get, get that lift off the ground, but technology's made it so a lot of people can get into to the field and, and have success at it. That said, i got to tell you, when years ago when I started out, print was print was the thing. And if, you, if I go on tour, print is still 
Prince still dominates, of course, if I go on the road. But overall, I've seen I've seen ebooks, man. I gotta tell you, really, really, I've heard other authors say it that the majority of their book sales are ebooks. Which of these formats, you do audio, print, and ebooks, has proved more profitable for Pulse? And why do you think this is? Well, you referenced technology, and we're living in the digital age, and that goes for the publishing world. The ebook marketplace is really starting to take over, and that has been our experience. Our ebooks have been our most profitable, most consistent sellers. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, the very first title we put out it was an urban fiction title last October. The first three, four months that it was out, it sold more than 2,000 copies a month, just ebook alone. Wow. So ebooks have been our most consistent sellers. I see that as the direction that the industry is actually going in. I mean, you do have your diehard print book lovers. You know, they're not going to give up those hard copies. That's they me waving, a, waving my hand over yeah, here. I'm one of those. They, they have to have a copy of that book in their yeah. hands. I'm kind of, I'm kind of like that too. I'm old school I am in that way. Waving my hand. That's me. But with the change in technology, people can read books on their phones, on their tablets. On their laptops, they have e-readers like the Kindle and the Nook, and it's just so much easier now to read an e-book and purchase an e-book, especially since the price tends to be lower than yeah, a regular book, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, So these these factors, you know, the e-book popularity is on, definitely on the rise. Yeah, and again, you say that you reference the price. You can – the convenience – uh, right. of using it anywhere. Although you can take a print book with you anywhere, too. But I think then the price, and you don't have to worry about the paper getting wet or any right. damage to the papers. So that, 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 although you do have to worry about sometimes your ebook reader not working right. But, uh, right. yeah, I think I think price drives a lot of it. What, what, and then you don't have to wait for it to get shipped to you as well. Right. right. Um, what goes into Pulse's book development and publication process. I definitely, as we do this interview, for our many listeners, I want to dive deeper and deeper into the process that you use to take a book from the beginning to the to the uh, end development stage. So what, what goes into the book development publication process at Pulse? Okay. Well, I like to put out there that we're not a self-publishing company or a vanity press. I know those are on the rise, too, and there's a lot of companies like that out there but we don't charge authors anything for the publishing that we do. And so when we decide to publish a book, you know, we usually take it based on the merits of the book itself, but also on the marketability of it, which most publishers will do. And when we get a book and we select it and we come to an agreement to publish it with the author, we the first thing we do is we put it through editing because we have to make sure that it, it doesn't have any errors, that it's polished up as much as it can be. However, we don't do a lot of we don't. We like to tell our authors that we're not going to change the story, and so we're not going to do a lot of interior content editing, especially if the story is strong enough by itself, mm-hmm. because that's what, that's what drew us to it in the first place. So we like to preserve the voice, the unique voice of the author, as much as possible. And most of the editing we do is just grammatical and and and, and uh, copy editing. And so once we get that, we come up with a, a customized marketing plan. So we have different genres. So if we, if it's Christian fiction, if it's urban fiction, if it's the general mystery suspense thriller, we know we're going to target particular reviewers. We're going to target particular media outlets, try to get interviews with certain hosts, and also target certain websites that will be best served by that genre. And so it's an interactive process with the author 
or we come up with a customized marketing plan, they then have a chance to give their feedback and input, then we put that into place. And we also come up with a cover. We come up with a book trailer that we distribute and put out there for it. We do a press release. We do a press kit. I mean, we try to cover the earth as far as all the different ways we can promote it and raise the public profile for the title. Okay. And once once the book is actually released, then we actually hope that the author understands that it's not our job simply to promote it. I mean, we, we're going to do our part on our end, but authors have to understand you've got to book your own interviews, you've got to do your own appearances, because every little bit helps. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And if you believe in your book, if you believe right. in uh, uh you will do it. I just popped in my head about this year's election, which is on Tuesday. I hope everybody gets out and votes. Um, I hope everybody does, because we all have a, a role in this. Uh, the candidates, you know, you could they could just hire hire people and say, well, right. you go out there, and but they get out there themselves. And when you believe in something, whether you believe in yourself, and I hope every author does, and, and the books you write, you'll be glad to get out and tell people about your story because you know it's that good of a story. So I, right. I think that would come naturally. D- does Post take on new book authors, or do you only take on authors? who've already got, you know, some traction under their feet? Well, we do both. And uh, so far, the authors that we've signed, it's been a mix. There have been some who've already been established, and there are some whose book that we published was actually the first book for them. Okay. So it it, it just depends on a case-by-case basis um, based on the submissions that we get. All right. Now, in addition to publishing books, you know that 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 you review the book, and then I also want to ask you before I go into this next question: What percentage of the books you receive or manuscripts would you say that you go on to approve? Would you say that you only approve maybe forty, sixty percent of them uh, for our listeners who who are listen, you know, tuning in and interested maybe in work working with you? Right. Not that that would drive your decision, but what percentage of the manuscripts you receive would you say you you move forward with? In the year that we've been out, in the year that we've been accepting submissions, I would say that out of the total number of submissions we've received, we've probably published about 40% of them. Okay. And the other 60%, we just rejected it. But sometimes, in some cases, we do like to write back to the author and tell them why. And so we'll say, well, we didn't really find the characters believable or the plot wasn't believable. And if they want to try and go back and change it and resubmit it later, they're always free to do that. Okay. Wow. Yeah, those getting those letters from publishers for I remember those early years of my career. That feels good just to know that somebody actually took the time to to write you back, you know, and a letter that is unique to your particular manuscript and not just a form letter. In addition right. to publishing books, Marcus, what other services do you author offer authors in addition to publishing books and media outlets who are interested in learning more about the authors you work with. So it's a really a two-pronged question. In addition to publishing books, what services do you, other services do you author authors? And what are some of the services that Post offers media outlets who want to contact you to learn more about the authors you do work with? Well, the Post umbrella is actually a big corporate umbrella. And underneath that umbrella, we have other subsidiary companies that do provide literary services. So we've got the one wing that does just publishing, and that's through Pulse and our publishing imprint. And people can learn more about those at PulsePub.net. But we do have subsidiary companies underneath the Pulse umbrella that offer editing. We offer some 
uh, literary marketing services such as the creation of book trailers or press releases, uh, ebook conversion services. We also offer book cover design services. So pretty much anything you need in the literary industry, you can get it through one of our subsidiary firms. And they're not that expensive. They are services that authors are going to need at some point, and we're perfectly willing to work with people. And we've been doing this for a while. I mean, the, the publishing that we just started in October of last year is new. But the other services we offer, we've been actually offering those probably for about five or six years. So they're pretty experienced, and, you know, they have a good track record uh, in terms of what they've done so far. Okay, okay. So um, and, and online tours, and I, I saw, I saw um, you also, as you mentioned, you do the um, – the 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 video the book trailers on and online tours online tours have become increasingly popular and I want to talk about your your um, book trailers as well but just for a minute did the online tours like what it, what maybe you are actually on yourself people are just going online to do so much marketing and every and not just in the book industry but the music industry we see it with television I just about every industry the, the election people they really are using the on on internet as well. Do you track the success that you uh, when when you when you use these online media outlets, online social media, etc., to push a book? Do you track the success of these books uh, uh, for online tours and other online marketing methods you use? Do you track the success? And I'll say that for this reason. I have a blog, which is writemoneyinc.com, and I always, often will write in my blog post to people, the business blog, I will, I will write to people, make sure you measure your ROI. Somebody just reached out to me about an ad, and I said, you know, I've been at this for a while. I need to see some metrics. I don't need to know that you've got 50,000 or 100,000 subscribers you can send an e-blast to if I pay mm-hmm. for an ad. I need to know how many of those people actually open your emails. Right. I, I, the fact that you send it to 100,000 means nothing to me, nothing. Right. If, on, if, if only 10,000 open it, that's, that's the number I need to work with. So right. anyway, do you track the success of your books? And I encourage everybody who's listening to me, whether they're an author, listening to Off the Shelf right now, a business owner, you got to track that, that your ROI. you got to see you're not just throwing money away that this – you know, this actually works, or right. now this doesn't work. Let me do something else. For yourself, when you invest your time and your money, Marcus, in online tours, do you do you, do you use any metrics? How do you track the success of your online tours and your your, your uh, book video, book trailers? How do you track the success of your well, we, we do have a salesperson who's wonderful at this, and his, his strength is in SEO, you know, search engine optimization, as well as in, uh, website analytics. And so that helps us to know where our web traffic is coming from. When we distribute these videos for these trailers and other things, we are, we actually go back to the individual channels and see how many views they get. And that will help us to know which channels are optimal for us to use. And when it comes to general sales, we do have different outlets that we sell our books through, and some of them are stronger than others. But some of them are stronger for certain titles. So we may have a book that sells pretty well on Nook for Barnes & Noble that doesn't sell as well on Kindle or vice versa. Or we might have a book that sells better through a different outlet. So, yes, it is very important that you keep track of the efficiency of your efforts 
like you said, because you can send a newsletter out there and you might have 10,000 people that you send it to, but if you track your click-through rate and you see that only three people are actually clicking on your links, then that's not really effective. So, yeah, you have to it's – a, it's an ongoing process. It's a measurement. It, it takes time, but it's worth the effort because then you can tailor your approach specifically to be, you know, the most effective at what you do. Yeah, I, I, I and, and again, I think that is so important to see. And, and obviously, you are doing doing something because you know which one of your, um, which one the, are doing better. You said you know some do better on on the Kindle, some do better right. on the Nuke. So I, right. I think, uh, yeah, I, that that is so important. I cannot stress <laughs> measuring ROI because you right. again you you get an ad from somebody. They tell you they've got. 500,000 subscribers, but mm-hmm. I do, I, I have a, a book, the Book Lovers Have a Newsletter, and trust me, everybody does not open these people's, every subscriber is not opening your newsletter. A lot of, some of them are right. bouncing, some right. of them are going in the spam folders, and I right. think, I forget what the good percentage is of opens, but it's less than 50%, which is a good oh, open yeah. percentage. Yeah. So yeah. just got somebody tell you they've got a gazillion subscribers, don't sit there and think, oh, let me buy an ad from them, and these gazillion people will, I'll see my ad. No. If you're fortunate, half of them will see it. If right. you're fortunate. If you're fortunate, exactly. If you're, if you're fortunate. Uh, passing that little tip on to our off-the-shelf listeners, what do you look for in authors you work with? What are you, you told us about some of your books, Believable Characters. What are some things you look for uh, in the author, him or herself, so that you feel like, you know, they're going to get out there and hustle and they're going to help move this book? Well, that's the important thing. The most important thing to us is we, we want to partner with authors who believe in, enough in their own projects that they're not just going to – and this is I tell this story all the time, but, you know, you've got some authors out there who will look for a publisher – give the book to them, and then think they can sit back and collect five- and six-figure royalty checks. And that's just really? not the reality. Really? In today? In today? Yes. It, but we've, we've actually had some experiences with that. And so I tell authors all the time, you know, we want to partner with you. That means that we're going to do a certain part, but you also have to do a certain part. And the authors who are committed to their titles have no problem with that because, like you said earlier, they want to go out. They believe in the product. They want to go out there and sell it. They want to market it. They want to get other folks to believe in it, too. And so – our best success has come from dealing with authors who have their own blogs that they update regularly. They interact with their readers on Facebook and Twitter and social media, and they book their own events. They don't wait for us to get them reviews or interviews. They go out there and they do their own thing too. And these have been the titles that have sold the best. These have been the titles that have been the best received. And those are the types of authors, ideally, that we love to work with. The authors who uh, want to send us a book and then get mad because it doesn't sell like they think it should, well, we then ask them, well, what kind of promotions have you done? You know, what kind of effort have you put into it? They don't really have much they can say, and then that kind of explains why it didn't do as well as it could have. You know, even large book publishing companies today, and I recently heard Penguin and Random House are joining forces, but even right. even big publishing houses, and they're joining forces because the, 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 the industry's just changed that it's, much. It's the economy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, um, they require authors. Terry McMillan said that's how she got Waiting to Excel off the ground. She had published, I think it was Mama and another book before then. She had, to, she had to get out there. She said, and this is before social media was years before this. She had to get out there and send postcards and 
mm-hmm. really start to hustle before her book really took off. So even even authors with big houses, you know, unless you're Stephen King or J.K. Rowling, they'll do all that legwork for you. But that's because you're bringing them millions. They don't mind. And a lot of folks, <laughs> and I tell folks all the time, Chuck Millen, Elin Harris, John Grisham, Stephen King, they were self-published before they became these big, before they had Simon & Schuster and Big Time Houses behind them. And the only way, like you just said, that they got those big contracts was that they were hustlers and they were out there promoting their own work. And a lot of folks don't realize major publishers aren't going to sign you unless you have sold a certain tens of thousands of copies of your book because they want to know that you've got an established marketing base, which means that you already have a following out there. And that's going to make their job easier when they publish you. So you're right. It's very important for authors to go out there and and do their own ground game because that makes a big difference. It makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, I didn't know Terry was self-published. I do know she... I do she know did she, at first. She did her own uh, thing at first. Okay, that might yeah. be where she got the idea to send out the um, the postcards. So she she right. she might have previously, you know, had to get out there and hustle her books, which yeah. is early, early, early. So that's where she. Right. So even if you go with a big publishing house, the point I'm trying to make is generally you're still going to have to get out there. I don't I don't know where that mindset today would come from for an author. I know musicians. They get out there and hustle to get them their yeah. stuff off the ground. I don't know where that would come from where authors says, okay, I've got a book publisher. Now all I have to do is write, and if my books don't sell, I'll scream at the publisher. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it no, all hands on deck. <laughs> and I'll say this, Denise, I've had authors come to me, come to us, and they came from big publishers like uh, Simon & Schuster and Random House, HarperCollins, and they said that even if unless you are a big-time author, like a J.K. Rowling, or Michael Crichton or somebody like that, they're not going to put a whole lot of marketing push no. behind your title. They're not. Yeah, and so no, you'd, no. Be lucky, you'd be lucky if they'll book an interview or two for you. Yep. Yep. And, and so, so yeah, you got to be ready as an author. Uh, and then uh, I forget who's a self-publishing author who sold millions of copies of her books. But she said that the reason she went with a major publisher, she spent so much time marketing and promoting. She said, I want to yeah, get my life was, back. That was Amanda Hawking. Yeah, yes, she became a millionaire. I'm spending hours pushing mm-hmm. these books. Uh for authors who are interested in working with Pulse. We we've 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 been interviewing now for about half an hour and they the their interest has peaked. They might have tried so many different publishers, Marcus. They might mm-hmm. have been trying for years to try to get their book out there. They don't want to do the self publishing thing. They don't want to have to track all their own book sales. They don't want to have to go out and get their own ISBN, their own their own copyright. They want somebody else to do that for them. And yes, they 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 might market and promote the book, but they just don't want to do all that legwork. Mm-hmm. And so they might be thinking, you know what, I want to work with Pulse. How can they contact you and submit their manuscript? To you for any and are you taking manuscripts right now? We're always taking manuscripts and we're actually very hungry for some right now. We started out getting a lot of submissions and they've dipped down, so we're kind of wondering what's happening. But we love to get new material, so they can go to our website. That's the best way. It's postpub.net, and they go to our submission guidelines page, and it's a very detailed submission guidelines process. We just want the first three chapters of the manuscript along with the synopsis. Once we review the first three chapters, we'll let them know if we want to request the full manuscript to review. And if we request the full manuscript, the whole process takes about six to eight weeks to go through. And uh, if after we review the full manuscript and we accept it, then we begin the publication process. But if they go to our website, 
Go to the submission guidelines page. Everything they need to know is right there. Okay, okay. Well, thanks for that info. And they are accepting manuscripts to our authors who are interested in working with, with Pulse. No guarantees that your manuscript will be accepted, but it's definitely worth a try, especially if you believe in your work. Can you introduce our off-the-shelf listeners to some of the authors and their book titles that you've published? We can, so we can go out and check them out and maybe pick up a copy of these books. Okay. Well, some of our earlier authors, the ones that we first released, are Cynthia White, and she was actually a best-selling author before she came to us. She's a, okay. a big big name in urban fiction. The two titles that we put out for her are Boss Bitch Swag and Forever Queen, and they have been two of our best-selling titles to date. Uh, Wanda B. Campbell also was a best-selling author before she came yes, to us. She's, yes, Yeah, she's a prominent name in Christian fiction. We put out Taylor's yes. Redemption. And we are uh, in the process of publishing Liberation, which is actually a prequel kind of novel for her. Um, and that's going to be coming out in the next couple months. Wow. We've also got, yeah, we've also got some, some newbies, some first-time authors, but their books have done very well. And those are Mary L. Living, who put out Signs of the South, and we're actually about to put out her second one. J.M. Johansson put out a book called 27 Minutes, and that's actually one of my personal favorites. It's about underground human organ trafficking. Wow. Yeah, it's a very, very good book, very thorough, very suspenseful. And so that one people can check out. And that's actually one of the first audio books. That just came out in audio book this week. So I really encourage people to check that one out. And then we also have nonfiction. Uh, Anne Lagan Garner is actually a British author. She's over in the U.K. And we published her, her memoir called Sunday's Child came out earlier this year. People that can sounds, actually get a that copy of that. Familiar. When did, oh, you said it came out earlier this year. That that title yeah. sounds familiar for some reason. Yeah, that's her memoir. It just came out, I think, in uh, I want to say May or June of this year. Okay. And uh, we we we've got uh, Sheree Lewis, Milltown Finest, another urban fiction title that's doing very well. And uh, we've also got a male. We've only got one rooster in the hen house, <laughs> but um, Jay Conrad guest. We put out his title, um, The Cobb Legacy, earlier this year, and we're actually in the process of publishing his second title, too. So wow. we've got, a, lot of, we've got a, a nice stable of authors. We're trying to build them up. I did want to mention, though, Denise, um, when folks go to our website, we recently created five separate imprints for specific genres. So now when we publish Christian fiction, it's going to come through its own imprint. And the same thing with urban fiction and romance and uh, mystery suspense thrillers. So we're we're branching out to a point where we've got our own distinct distinct imprints for publishing them. Now tell me, tell us why you is for anybody who is is interested in following in your footsteps and starting their own publishing firm, or maybe they don't even know now that they would, but in the future it's it's somewhere in their future. Why did you decide to do that? Why, why did you decide to, to make that move, to have these individual imprints for different genres? It's, for, it's mainly for marketing purposes because it makes it easier if we know that only this imprint is, for example, our, our Christian fiction imprint is called Exalt. So if we know that Exalt is going to be strictly Christian fiction, it will make it easier for reviewers who want to find out more about the latest Christian fiction titles we put out. And it also makes it easier for readers because now you have readers who might become a fan of the Exalt line. So they know when Christian fiction comes out from Pulse, it's going to come through Exalt. That's what to look for. So it just simplifies things for us as well as for the people that we're trying to publish the books to. I've got to ask you, you have a strong 
a business uh, a sense. Did you major in business or marketing in college? And is this the first? Have you? Is this your first? first company you owned or have you owned other companies previously? I owned a marketing company before. Uh, we okay. Did very, we did marketing, but I, I actually, believe it or not, my degree is in pre-med chemistry. Wow. Yeah, I graduated from college with a chemistry degree focused on pre-med. I actually had planned on becoming a doctor, but when I got into college, my love, my first love has always been literature. It just—it's been like that since I was born. My mom said I was reading when I was four, so I've just always been drawn to books. I've always loved books, loved the arts. But when I went to school, I had planned on going to school to become a doctor. When I was in college, that changed, and my love for literature got reignited. And so, shortly after I graduated, I got more into the arts, more into writing, and then that's when I put out my first book, and that had led to you know this with Pulse with the publisher. Wow, so you owned your you owned a marketing firm. Where did you get that training? You majored in chemistry. Where did you get the I mean, where did the business sense? I interviewed a a, a doctor who has her own weight loss clinic. She she still continues to work at the hospitals and and clinics doing her OBGYN work, but she also launched her own weight loss clinic about maybe a year ago. And I asked her what some of the challenges. She said, "Well, when you go to like medical school, they don't teach you how to run your own business. Even though a lot of doctors do go on to have a private practice." She said she found that challenging how to balance the time and 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 and, and set your pricing and and working with cu- clients on billing and different things and how can you for what she does uh, work with their financial needs to get help get them good results. She said she had to learn that. She learned that along the way. She said they don't teach you that that in school. So that right. said, I'm thinking that you, and taking chemistry, I'm I'm sure they didn't sit down and teach you <laughs> how to run a business or market products and services. Where did you get that training? Where did well, that I gotta say, from? it's largely self taught. I mean, I just took the time to read articles. I consulted with people who were already in the industry, and I picked their brains to death, and I just asked them question after question, and I just learned. And I can't take credit for my, I mean, I can't take sole credit for anything I've accomplished because I got so much help from people who dedicated their time and their energy to teach me things and show me things, and most of it was trial and error. There were some tactics that I tried to fail and some things that worked, and so over time, like you said with your uh, friend, you just kind of learn what, works and what doesn't you modify your approach and then you just kind of make it work for you but i i didn't take any classes on marketing or business or anything wow self-taught information wow and so you learned you learned as you learned as you went another woman i interviewed she said that before she launched her business she did she really studied the market i know before i became a full-time freelance writer i i really researched freelance writing how to prepare how to a lot of people they take they hear these quotes do what you love and the money will come i don't completely agree with that quote you mean or or, or or you hear you know um work in your field of passion and it's like everything will just magically come together right. and a lot of right. people end up losing their homes and things because yeah. they keep waiting for this magic thing to happen no right. you got to get out there you got to hustle you got to study the market study the injuries so you do some research uh market research you it's a constant learning process and like you said trial and error you hit right. you miss you hit you miss you find right. what works you measure your ROI which is return on investment 
Mm-hmm. You keep trying new things. What works, you keep doing it. Then when that shifts and the market changes, you 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 move on to other areas. You remain flexible. Sometimes you work long hours, and then every now and then you give yourself a treat and a day off. But that <laughs> that that's what people in business do. I don't know where these quotes that make it sound so magical. Uh, do what you love, and the money will come. I've been doing what right. I love for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't have a million dollars from it. So, you know, that you you do have to and I, I I wanted to touch on that because a lot of us I watch Restaurant Impossible. The guy asked him, Why'd you start a restaurant? They have no restaurant experience, didn't didn't study anything about it. He looks at them like they're nuts and some of them are like almost a million in debt. So he's like, Are you kidding me? This is a hard <clears throat> industry. Study mm-hmm. the industry. Study it. Study it. And, and 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 talk to other people. You know, even if you don't go take college courses like you didn't do, I think sometimes the way you learn might be the better way. Just get down there, hit the right. ground, and take off. And that and that's right. a, that's another way to learn. I, right. I I highly commend you, and I can tell that you've done your your due diligence. And I'm I'm stressing that point because I hope off the shelf listeners who might be thinking about starting a business, quitting a job, starting a new business, which I don't recommend. If, if at the least start a new job while you're still working, or try to see if you can get go part time on your job and do do what you're passionate about part time until you really learn that and get it going, and then maybe right. leave your job. Pay get your right. bills paid down, pay your bills down uh, before you uh, go out there launching out on your own. How do right. you see Marcus? How do you see technology and digital books? We talked about this earlier. I'm just curious when I interview different people, uh, uh, how do you see this changing the book industry even more over the next two to three years? Well, I hate to say this because I almost sound like I'm shooting myself in the foot, but I think the era of the big publishing company is really starting to come to a close. I do, too. And I think unless you're already there, like like HarperCollins or Penguin and Random or, or some of these other ones that have been around forever, it's going to be very hard, if not impossible, to get to that point. And that's only because technology has given people the ability to shape their own destiny. Yes. And so now you don't have to wait for somebody to give you that chance. You can publish yes. your own book. You can make it available for sale. You can set your own price. You can do your own marketing. And the Internet is the great equalizer. Anybody can do it now. So, I mean, I would love for folks to get to that point, and I think we'll be able to get somewhere close to that. But really, this is the era of the self-directed author. I mean, this is the time for you to go out there and and make that dream happen because you have resources at your disposal now that were never there before. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about e-book as well as print. I mean, you just have the ability now to just do whatever it is you want to do as long as you are focused and as long as you study up on it. You know, you can be successful at it. Now, the the advantage of working with a company like Pulse, though, and just for our off-the-shelf listeners who are tuning in to today's show or who will tune in to to listen to it on a, at a, on a future date, um, your own business sense, uh, not a, every author might not have that. You 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 have media outlets that you know work. You 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 have uh, uh, some marketing, maybe some whether it's through your online book tours, you can let authors know about, et cetera, et cetera that can give them that extra added leverage 
that would be a good benefit to me of still right. working with a publisher like a, right. a a large publisher i think the a key benefit with working with a large publisher is distribution they can right. get your books in stores on the shelves uh, whereas a self-publisher, after you you're gonna have to really, really work right. hard to get right. these bookstores to pick up your books. Uh, uh, right. An established company, they can get your books into hundreds of bookstores with a, mm-hmm. with a snap of a finger. So that that's right. that's one of the benefits, and that's one reason why I think some of these. I agree with you. It might be harder for newer publishing houses to get off the ground, but as they get that district handle on more distribution, that's an advantage that an author right. by him or herself could take I mean a long time to right. get that type of um that type of uh leverage. Have you and you did say you did write a, a book of poetry, but have you written a novel? And if not, do you ever think you would write a novel someday? I've been dying to get started on a novel. I have. I I wanna write a novel. I wanna write short stories. I wanna write plays. I mean I wanna do it all. I just mm-hmm. haven't had the time to get to it yet because when my between the from the time when my first book came out and I promoted that steadily for about two years. Okay. So I I promoted my first book from about two thousand and six to about two thousand eight, two thousand and nine. And then shortly after there I, I did some of the marketing work but then I started to get more into the publishing side and then Pulse got launched last year. So I, I've been busy doing other things behind the scenes and I've gotten away from the writing but I really want to get back into that. And I do want to write a novel bad. <laughs> what what would that novel be about? What do you think that book would be about if you wrote a novel? I've had so many ideas come to me over the years that it's hard to pet it's hard to pin down one that I think I would want to pursue the most. I I've had ideas to write um I I you know, I gotta tell you, I'm from the country so I know I could never write an urban fiction novel. It just wouldn't I was come just gonna ask you some questions about that, so that's coming next. Oh my gosh. That's coming next. <laughs> No, I'm from Bahama, North Carolina, so I, nothing I write would be legitimate in the urban fiction world. But I've got just – I can write about politics, or I could write about some business things. I mean, I have a different mix of experiences that I think would make a novel pretty believable. Okay, okay. Now, what do you think – I have to ask you. I've interviewed Zane uh, uh, a couple of times, and one of her interviews I did for her, with her for Madam Noor, an online magazine – Mm-hmm. And I was asking her about, you know, these. there are so many books. I mean, the covers, the titles, and the content is just, it's just all erotica, erotica, erotica. <laughs> and, and, and the same thing happened after Terry McMillan's Waiting to Exhale took off. Almost mm-hmm. every African-American book cover had those same, they're not stick-looking characters, but their 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 features aren't filled in, on, the, on mm-hmm. like when she had on Waiting to I saw so many books with that. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, it's like when something takes off, I guess everybody thinks, let me jump on and, and write. You know, how many vampire books do you see now? <laughs> it's like, yes, it, 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 people just start, it just saturates the market with these same. For African-American books, when I started in 98, you did not see these type of books. I'm telling you, they were not right. everywhere. Zane really kicked that off, and she mm-hmm. said she didn't, she, she said she never wrote a book just for sex. She said, "If it's, there's no story back behind that, that's not right. what she did. I have never re- read any of her books, but that's what she told me. She said, and a lot of book authors today, they really are using sex to really try to push books. Right. I would imagine that readers at some point are going to get just exhausted with that because mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. keep getting so much of it. 
But uh, right. uh, uh, why do you think so many writers and publishers, when something hits, they want everybody. I hear people in the music industry say the same thing. Something takes off, and now, like Kim, I think about him and how tough it was for him to mm-hmm. even get a name for himself because his music was so different. Every mm-hmm. when rap takes off, and everybody's got to be a rapper. Is this? Why do you yeah. think it is art? Art comes from within the artist. It's not a. It's not a matter of copying anything. It's supposed right. to be unique from within that own individual and their experiences and their perceptions. Why do you think right. so many companies push, do what's already out there, do what's already out there and selling, do what's already out there and selling? It's like don't tell well, your own story. Right. Well, and it starts with the inspiration, like you said, for the individual person to do something unique. But then what happens is the bottom line profit motive take over. And so when companies see that something like that is successful, the term is called piggybacking in the industry. They piggyback on that. And so everybody then tries to do the same thing because they want to achieve the same success. And this is how Amanda Hocking was able to sell a uh, million dollars worth of e-books because she piggybacked on the success of the Twilight series with the vampires and the love stories and things like that. Uh, yeah. And so th- this is a common phenomenon. Whenever something happens that's popular, everybody yeah. else driven by companies, you know, who want to make money off of that, start to do that because it's a proven way to make money until, like you said, folks get exhausted with it, they get sick of it, and then it it, it stops. But it tends to go in cycles. And so I remember back in the day, Interview with the Vampire was what kicked off the whole vampire thing. And that was back in the early 90s. Then the vampire genre kind of died down until Stephanie Meyer came back with Twilight and revived it. So it seems to me a cyclical thing. You know, it'll be popular for a while, it'll go away, and then it'll come back. And it just seems to repeat like that. We find it in everything. We Reality television is now popular. Oh, yeah. People are yeah. going to at one point, at one, some point, going to become exhausted with it, and yeah. something new yeah. is going to come up. I mean, it just we see it in so many industries. I have so I have ultimate respect for what I consider to be true authentic artists. Whether it's selling a lot or not, they are going to be authentic, and that's what they put out. Uh, I'm thinking of music popped into my head was Prince. Right. Uh, Mike, Michael Michael Jackson has his own. He, that's why he he has his lasting power. Even though he's physically not here, he who else sounds like him? I mean, he's got his own. He didn't copy right. anybody, as far as I know. So right. it, it does pay in the long run to just be authentic. What yeah. what do you consider to be the top two challenges as we come down to about the last thirteen minutes of today's show? What do you consider to be the top two challenges facing the book industry right now? Uh, okay, well, I would say from a producer side, as a publisher, I think that the biggest challenge for us and for most other publishers, the main thing is going to be putting out quality work. I mean, you can find something and you can make a little money off of it for a little while, but if you're going to stay in business, you got to keep mm. putting out good product. And so our challenge has been continuing to get good submissions, continuing to get authors who are willing to help us promote, and just a steady stream of good quality literature. I think that's challenge number one. But I also think the second challenge is adaptability, because everything is changing very fast with the digital yes. book revolution and e-books, and a lot of publishers are not taking that as seriously as they should. Mm. And so you, you, you've got to prepare for that, because even though, like me and you, Denise, we're diehards for our print books, a lot of readers out there only want e-books now. 
And if you're not going to adapt and be able to meet that need, then that's going to really hurt your business model and your long-term prospects. So you got to be flexible. you got to learn how to be adaptable. But you also you got to keep putting on good product. I mean, that's the big thing. Yeah, I, and, and, I, I, and I, I go back to what you said before. You cannot keep recycling the same thing over and over again because, right. like you said, people are going to get tired of it. Yeah, and and I and I I I I, I so agree with you. I, I, have you ever in in your as long as you've been on the earth, have you ever seen business markets industries change at this rapid of a pace? I got to tell you, I. I haven't, and I've I've done writing for clients where I've, I've researched companies, companies like IBM and Wang that's no longer here, uh, uh, Apple, et cetera. And I gotta tell you, I've never seen changes. No, and I, 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 at this pace. Right, <laughs> right. When when I, when the when the idea for Pulse first came to us, and we started working on it, it was back in 2010, early 2010, and at that time. Nobody took ebooks seriously. We we looked at the numbers and the percentages of how many books get sold every year based on format, and ebooks were like three or four percent back then. And in two years, yes. I think the last thing I saw last year, Amazon sold sold more ebook copies of books yes. than print book copies of books in two years. Yes. So no, I've I've never seen anything change that fast like that. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, and I've seen it across different industries again because of um I think the internet's driving a lot of it. Um it's mm-hmm. not just happening. The book the music industry, the book industry handled the digital format a lot better than the music industry. The music industry Absolutely. got they got whacked. Yeah, they got blindsided. <laughs> they got blindsided. They had no they, idea. They they <laughs> thought they had a handle on that man, I'm telling you. Right. And yeah. uh, 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 they were taking on, I forget the company, Napster, that they really oh, started yeah. the box with. Yeah. And they should have partnered with Napster. Exactly. They should have partnered with them, but instead exactly. they called them and right. looking that they could they could stop this change. And what you said, be flexible. One thing I tell you, friend, trying to stop change is trying to stop an earthquake all by yourself right. or it's a snamu. You're going to get run over. So yeah, it's, it's, a force, it's a force you can't, you can't box with it. <laughs> Because all they did was they 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 encouraged people to go to Napster and 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 bolster their support by fighting them. Yes. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to be smart. You got. I don't care how powerful you yeah. think you are. When that when those ties of change come through, you better be riding them. Don't be standing there trying to stop them. Is Tell that, us about some of the top marketing strategies that you use to get the word out about Pulse. About Pulse or about our title? About we were both about the company and also about their titles. Okay. Well, what's helped our titles the most is social media, and that's Facebook, that's Twitter, and most recently that's Pinterest and uh, LinkedIn. And so we encourage. Can you our say that last one again, please? Uh, Pinterest and LinkedIn. Oh, LinkedIn. Link- okay. Yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah, those okay. are the most recent. Okay. But we encourage our authors to create their own profiles, but we also have profiles up there. And with our with our tech team being as savvy as they are using social media, that's really helped us because it helps you connect directly with people. I mean, it's one thing to put out a press release or it's one thing to do an interview, but when you ongoing, when you connect directly with people, that makes all the difference in the world because then they feel engaged in the process. They're more likely to support you. 
and it makes a, a personal difference to them to, to, to see that you actually are taking the time to include them in what you're doing. And so I say this all the time, the best, most successful authors we have are the ones who regularly interact with their readers. Wanda Campbell, Cynthia White, you know, they have Facebook pages, and their readers will post comments on their pages, and they'll say, thank you, doll, love you so much. You know, that kind of thing makes a difference mm-hmm. because then your readers really want to continue to show you support. So social media, you know, again, that Internet thing, but that's been the biggest advantage that we have so far. Okay, okay, okay. What is Pulse Peak? Oh, Pulse Peak is a section on our website where we release the first three chapters of each book we publish, and people can browse it for free. So it's a free preview of the novel or of the Wow, book. the first three chapters. Okay, yeah. okay. Now, now, yeah. can you tell us about Take 10? What's involved in Take 10? Take 10 is a marketing series we came up with where we take 10 questions from readers and direct them to the authors. And these don't have to do always with the book. They may ask them personal questions about their personal lives, or anything else that they might want to ask. The authors then answer the questions, and then we post them on the Take 10 section of our site, and then it's a way to give the author a chance to show more of the human side of themselves to the readers. And it's really popular. We we get the questions directly from Facebook or Twitter or their email to us, and then we um, have the author answer them, and we put the whole question and answer thing online. Okay, okay. Yeah, something where the reader can engage more with um – with the author, what which have you found if you've done any 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 metrics on this to be more back to a little bit to the marketing, the online book tours where people are doing interviews with radio hosts, or the book trailers? I mean, no, 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 not the book trailers. The blog tour where you where the author is not being interviewed over the mm-hmm. air, but they're either blogging or they're answering mm-hmm. a question about their book at a certain blog. Which have you found to be more effective at pulling in sales, the on-air, like what we're doing, interviews, or the blog, the blog? I, I got to say it's been a mix of both, and it okay. depends on the, the author, because we have some authors who've done a lot of blog talk radio interviews, and sometimes the uh, host will send us the stats. So they'll show us how many how many listeners actually tuned in or downloaded the, the show. And right. some of those have been phenomenal. I mean, we had one author who did a, an interview back in June, and she actually got more than 10,000 listeners that one month alone on that one show. Wow, wow. Which was, and, the, and the host said, I have never seen numbers like this before. So that was the new thing to her. Wow. But then, but then some of the online efforts with the blogs and with the online tours, we, we've seen through the Google Analytics and some of those other tools that that has generated a lot of interest too. So it depends. It's a mix. And, and both t- tend to stay around you know, for a while, whether you do it via radio or uh, the blog. I, I think for right. immediate results, I have for myself personally, the blog the blog has been more effective for a, a, immediate results. But I, I, like you said, right. it, it can vary. Does Pulse, you know, you said you, you look at your books and you, you edit them when people bring you books for uh, uh, to, to pub, possibly publish. Mm-hmm. Do you also offer editing services separate from separate from publishing a manuscript? Let's say you're not even you're gonna not even publish a book, but an author comes to you and says, "I'd like you to edit my book." Do you offer editing services to writers? We do, and we've been doing that. That's one of those things we've been doing for about six years, and so they have a lot of experience. The editors on our staff that do that, 
they have a lot of experience in that, and they've got a lot of clientele. So yeah, we do offer that. Okay, okay. Um, are any are you Marcus or any of the author Pulse authors that you, authors that Pulse represents? Are you going on the road, attending book signings, doing readings, et cetera? And if you are, can you let us know about some of the places you're, you're scheduled to appear at over the coming weeks and months? We're in the process of setting up some actual physical in-store book signings for some of our authors, and there are some authors who have already done that in the past. So the the best thing I'd say is we have a media section on our site, Mm -hmm. and in this section we have a list of all the media appearances for each of our authors, and it's broken down by their names. So if you just go to the media section of postpub.net, you'll get a chance to see uh, we're going to start posting upcoming signings that they're going to be attending. Yeah, and to our listeners, uh, as we come down to the last three minutes, to our listeners, I just want to say that you will enjoy your visit. This site is intuitive, easy to follow. Again, it's postpub.net, P-U-L-S-E-P-U-B.net, postpub.net. It's easy to follow. They are accepting manuscripts. No guarantee that you'll be published, but it's, it's, it's worth a try. And they also... Um, Offer writers editing services. How can off-the-shelf listeners get copies of your author's books, online and offline? Well, all of our books are available uh, mainly through Amazon and Barnes and Noble. So they can go to Amazon and Barnes and Noble. They can get either a digital copy or a print copy. Uh, as I mentioned before, we also have a couple of audio books that have recently come out this week. So they can go to iTunes or Audible.com or Amazon and get those. And if we have an online bookstore through which they can actually buy or download copies directly uh, from our site itself, postpub.net. Okay. How can book clubs and other organizations, how can they get in contact with you and have one of your authors come and appear at an upcoming event? We have a book club page on our website, and uh, it has our contact information. It's just info at postpub.net. But we actually offer special discounts to book clubs who want to purchase copies of our author's books for their club. So if they just go to the book club's page of our site, they'll, they'll see that there. Okay. Are you, and we know some of your authors are, but are you on social networks, Pulse, or you yourself as the CEO, Marcus Harris, are you on social networks? And if so, where can our off-the-shelf listeners find and connect with you online? Pulse has a Facebook page, facebook.com slash pulsepub. We also are on Twitter. I think our handle is P-L-S-E-P-U-B. But if they look up Pulse on Twitter, they'll find it there. And I also have a Facebook page. Um, I think it's Facebook.com slash Marcus J. Harris. But uh, I'm I'm easy to find up there. I I got to tell you, as always, the show went very very quickly. I had a few other questions I wanted to ask, but we have run out of time. I want to thank Marcus. He's the CEO of of Pulse, and that's a company, a book publishing company, offering editing services. They publish books. They help the authors to market books, and I can you can hear his marketing and business savvy coming through. I encourage you to support them and their authors. Again, it's Marcus Harris. The name of the company is Pulse, and their website is PulsePub.net, P-U-L-S-E-P-U-B.net. And when you said Wanda Campbell, I said, wow, she is an established name. uh, And and, and so they've worked with some established authors, and also he's willing to take on on new authors. And if you get that novel published, please let us know so we can let our listeners know to look out for it if you you write that novel. 
for, for yourself. We want to thank you, Marcus, for being here with us, and we thank our listeners here for, for, for being here with us. Please come back again every Saturday, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we bring you more and more phenomenal guests, be they authors, publishers, publicists, editors, I mean, people who own small businesses, we put a lot of folks in front of you where you can learn and, and, and as you continue to move your career and your dreams forward. They share such wonderful, wonderful uh, advice all for free. So please tell your family and your friends, book lovers, anybody you that you know to tune in to Off the Shelf again on Saturdays, 11 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. Go support Pulse, PulsePub.net and pick up a copy of my new book, Love pour over me. Thank you. As I always tell you, remember you're so incredibly blessed. You are so awesome and so amazing. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. Bye for now. Marcus, I'll shoot you an email. Thanks.